Hi and welcome to Real Clear Fetish called Real Clear Play. As you can see, the settings are a little bit different today, and also my I'm a little bit more casually dressed because I am in Berlin at the moment and it's bloody warm. So I'm not wearing full levers in this weather. Uh, I would be dying. But as I'm in Berlin, I have a guest um, here from the city, and I'm hosted by him here in his apartment. Uh, welcome, Matt. How are you? Hi. Uh... I'm good, and thank you for having me. Looking forward for it. Oh, fantastic, fantastic. As with all my episodes, we start with four standard questions, and then we just see where the conversation goes. Oh, good. Sounds good. Fantastic. Uh, first question, what do you prefer? I call you name, pronouns, and title. Oh, wow. That, that depends much of the relationship with the person that I'm playing with, you know? <laughs> in, in general, uh, I'm, I'm just happy with Mao. All my friends call me Mao. We can keep doing that, yeah. And, and pronouns? Uh, he, him. He, him. Fantastic. Tell me a little bit about yourself. Oof. How much time do you have? <laughs> <laughs> just be like just a short, little short version and a description of yourself so they can get an impression of who you are. Uh, yeah, well, I'm 34 years old. I've been living in Berlin for the last eight years of my life. I never felt more home anywhere else than here. And, you know, like uh, Berlin has shown me its ugliness and its more beautiful side as well. I've met my fiance here. I've made great friends here as well. Um, and it's just, it has been uh, an entire life-changing experience, most definitely, since I moved here. I work in IT. Uh, I have a very good steady job. I'm very into all different kinds of kinks as well. Uh, some stuff that even before I moved to Berlin, you know, like I, I, I was always interested and always participated in certain kinks back home. But when I moved to Berlin, this is a funny story. When I moved to Berlin, I had a couple of encounters where people asked me to do certain stuff. And I am not prude, never been prude in my life. But there were a couple of moments where I was just like, people do what? <laughs> You know, you, you, you got surprised. I, I got I got surprised and that is not easy to make, you know, and, and there were not many occasions. But, you know, like I, I got uh, familiar with many different new types of kings and fetishes. And, you know, like that's part of the community, you know, it's everyone uh, with their own thing. And, you know, uh, I always keep telling people, no matter what you're into, you're going to come to a city like Berlin and you're going to find you're going to find five, three, ten people more that are, are going to share your experience as well. Oh, absolutely. It's amazing. So. Absolutely. Completely sober, clear headed or social drinker? I stopped any type of consumption around 3.5 years ago. Uh, I do not drink alcohol. I barely even drink sugar, <laughs> which is funny because when I, when I go clubbing and I need a little bit of pick-me-up, that's what I get. My friends know if I'm getting a cola, a Coca-Cola or something sweet, it's because I need sugar, you know, and that, that's, that, those are my pick-me-ups now. It's, it's the same with me. If someone asks me, so do you not do anything? It's like, well, the, the heaviest I do is a Red Bull and maybe a <laughs> yes, Viagra yes, if I need exactly. a little extra help. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's it. That's it. Um, yeah. so, so I fully recognize especially also if i have like a sugary drink and i have to go to sleep afterwards yeah definitely all of definitely. a sudden i end up standing I mean, up till up till three four in the morning it's it's a it's a it's a whole process um there is uh inside the the, the community there is this thing that they call it uh california sober if you use poppers or not you know and yeah that was a whole whole completely conversation with with um with my therapist which 
I did I did uh, therapy by the way, mm -hmm. like it was around 11, 10 months, something like that. And I had an amazing therapist and she's a PhD in sexual uh, education and stuff like that. And, and it was like uh, a very, very beautiful and stressful and annoying process. <laughs> I brought the topic about uh, poppers because I'm not only addict to uh, certain substances, but I'm also like sex addict. There was a whole conversation about camp sex and, and so on. And I brought the topic about poppers and mm. we were like for a whole, I don't know, two months just discussing poppers and, and what would be the effect and what would be what would happen and so on. And she's super understanding. And one of the best tips that she ever gave to me was you got to try what makes you comfortable and what doesn't make you comfortable. Because mm -hmm. we talk a lot about the gay scene in Berlin. Would I go back to lab? Would I go back to Berheim? Would I go, would I go back to sex parties? Can mm -hmm. I participate in places like Folsom? Can I participate in fetish uh, encounters? Because when I started getting sober, one of the things that impacted me the most was that I realized my sex life was going to change. Mm -hmm. And in my mind, what I thought is my sex life is going to stop. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to focus on just what we call vanilla sex, you know. Yeah. That's my future now. For a sexually active 32-year-old guy, something like that, you know, like, uh, again, with sex addiction and so on, realizing that, oh, my God, you got to stop everything was, like, very, very, very hard to deal with not only that but also having to stop many connections many friendships friendships uh having to cut clean a lot of people out of your life when you are an expat that is living in a completely different culture different country different continent uh you know like most of my friends that i made here at the beginning were party friends so you know like you get clean uh i had some people that they they just like we stopped contact completely and some very good friends of mine that they are not new to the game. So they understand. And the moment that I told them, hey, I'm doing this. I'm going to therapy. I'm, I'm making the choice to stop. Some of them were like uh, really close to me and we still are in contact. They were like, okay, good. So you and I are not going to talk for a couple of years because I've been there and it is okay. Mm. When you are ready, let me know, and I come back to your life. And that was your friend. That was my you. friend telling me. Do that. you know what? That that's the first time I've heard like someone. I'm assuming they're party friends. So yes, they yeah. go clubbing. They yeah. partake in yeah. certain things. Yeah, having someone who isn't a part of that scene and actually be big enough a person to go. Okay, I'm not safe for you then. Yes, yes. Let's was... m let me pull away from you. I still want to be your friend, but not right now. Yes, yes. And for me, that was. It was it was such a conversation because you know like I I just there were people that I completely vanished from their life because there was not a healthy relationship to continue with and I you know like you don't owe anyone explanations but if you want to keep certain people in your life then you know like part of being in a relationship is to be honest and to talk about what's going on and with these two friends like I told them and you know like it was very understandable from their side you know and again I'm I'm, I'm talking about two people that have been living in Berlin for way more time than I a bit older in age, more wise, <laughs> you know, that had had experiences with these type of situations in the past. So 
it took it took time one of them no actually both of them were visiting me while i was in the clinic not directly in the clinic but in the surroundings stuff mm -hmm. like that you know there was moments where i said like you know why yeah it's it's i'm not ready you know i'm not ready and there was absolutely no ill feeling about it because they understand and i understood if we want to keep this in the future we gotta find a way that mm. i don't feel uncomfortable by you and you don't feel uncomfortable by me and it did happen you know like i i got together with both of them separately i think at the beginning of this year and it's something that we talk about it and we were always messaging and stuff like that we were completely out of touch for a while and then we went back together and we are not as close as we used to be but um there is a relationship there there is a foundation that we we understand and we like and we appreciate that we still have that you know but in the same area like there was there was a lot of people that i completely lost contact with you know mm -hmm. and, and funny enough on csd this year i found some of them during the pride uh festivities and they were like oh my god i didn't knew you were still in berlin <laughs> Oh my God, why I have not seen you, you know, like, you know, we always do these parties and I never seen you there. And I'm just like, I don't tell people like that. I don't go directly and say like, yeah, you have not seen me because I don't do what you do. Because I, one of the most important things about my sobriety, it is mine. Mm. It's mine to, to protect, it's mine to, to talk about, it's mine to discuss. But it is mine. My sobriety, it is not your responsibility. It's not anyone else's. And I don't, I am not one of those persons that I bring my sobriety into every conversation that I can if I am not asked to, you know, mm. because the same thing that I ask people to respect my decisions, I respect also theirs. If they want to keep partying, sure. There's people that continue having chem sex and they don't think they have a problem. I was one of those. One of my reasons was I'm in control. You know, I have the fantasy of control. Uh, when we talk about that, uh, when they say like, you know, like if I, if I go and I meet someone random in the street that I have not seen in a long time, I'm not going to tell them what I, have, what I have done over the last four years. No. You know, I'm, I'm still going to be a friendly guy. I'm going to say hi to you. I'm going to hug you. If that's what the moment is it's there. And, and it has happened that they have offered me things, you know. Yeah. And I just politely decline. And this is something that you learn during therapy. And this is something that you learn during uh, the process of getting clean. What's going to happen when someone comes to you and offers you something? And thankfully, I have, I have not been in that many situations. But the ones that I've been, you know, like it's, I find very easy to just be super proud of where I am right now and who I am right now that I can easily just, no, thank you. That's all. Or I don't do, and then little by little, some people that I meet in certain parties, they already know, and they don't even come to me, you know, like they don't, they don't offer me stuff because they already know. We have had the conversation in the past for circumstances and stuff like that. And that's all, you know. And, and they're aware not to approach you with that. They can yeah. come and say hi, but yes, they yeah, shouldn't definitely, interact definitely. with that kind of yeah, stuff. Yeah. yeah. Well, it sounds like, uh, of course, it a lot of stories when it comes to like when you become sober and you have to kind of cut a whole bunch of people out mm. and a lot of people especially if it's other addicts and they're still in that madness they can't quite understand mm. but having people who use healthily um to to an extent um actually react that way and kind of go okay 
yeah. I'm going to keep you safe. You're more important than mm. me partying with you. Yeah. I, do you know what? That makes me so happy to hear that there's some, you've had people like that in your mm. life because it's not a lot of people that get that. And that's, that's people who have been in the drug environment and actually been educated in look after your own, yeah. make sure everyone's okay. When everyone is having a bad time, then you make sure they have water and all this crap mm -hmm. because that was what I was taught. Yeah. It still became messy at the end. I but mean, it, it's, it's so important to take mm. care because prevention is also a start. Yeah. Prevention yeah. so they don't hurt themselves. Definitely. Like, you know, like I, I, I've done tons of workshops as a speaker on Kentex. Mm. You know, um, I was the type of a guy that I was going to an orgy. Welcome, Berlin. <laughs> um, you know, and I was talking about, you know, or, or I was the type of guy that people were like, I kid you not, like I used to have a little goodie bag and, and that's something that I, that I was known for in certain groups. My phone rang 2 a.m. Mao, this is happening. This guy is so and so and so. What can I do? I have no idea. Everyone is high, blah, 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 blah. And there were sometimes that, you know, like I, I could tell them, okay, what did he took? You need to give him this. You need to give them that do this do that you know because you know like you gotta that's it's super important education mm. it is super important talking about drugs talking about what you should combine what you should not combine what you should drink etc etc how to take control and so on that's that's super super important and you know like uh, i i've always proud proud myself of being the type of guy that was doing everything correctly using the air quotes because you know <laughs> Yeah, they are. Yeah. When you're when you're high, doing stuff correctly, it can all of a sudden disappear. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Exactly. So you know, like, uh, and and there were uh, there were moments where I was arriving to one of the last times that I did something like that. By the way, it was a very uh, uncomfortable process. There was this guy that has been passed out between G and K for the entire night. I go and and I help him out. You know, bring him back bring him stable, you know, make sure that he's okay. And I start making a conversation with him about uh, drugs and, you know, you should not mix this and that. Try to just, you know, like take a break, et cetera, et cetera, mm. stuff like Set that. Set the timer. Set the timer, exactly. <laughs> you know, like a lot of technology, Apple Watch, whatever you have, you know, you can put a timer, even use a you kitchen You get your timer. watch to Everything. fucking vibrate, exactly. yeah. You know, and, even, and this guy that, you know, like they have, they have told me, yeah, it has happened at least three times with him tonight. Like... Please help me so he can actually leave because we want him to leave. We don't want him to stay here. Uh, when we were talking and he asked me, like, how do you know so much? What do you consume? And, uh, you know, like what I used to consume in the past was uh, crystal meth that mm. was like directly injecting as well. That mm. was uh, my, my consumption. Uh, when I told this guy that, he was so shocked and so judgmental and completely unaware of the fact that he has been in and out during the last six hours. He entirely started just criticizing me and being such <clears throat> a B-word, you know, because there is, the, and, and I was just sitting there and I'm like, are you, are you, are you being serious right now? Like, that's, oh my God. And then I, I just grabbed my stuff and I told the host, which used to be a friend of mine, and said, like, please don't call me again. Like, deal with your own shit now. Like, I'm not 
I'm not coming back to this. I'm yeah. done. And that was one of the last times that I did that because I said, like, I don't need anyone to tell me, you know. And, and there's this, there is this circle of people that think because, oh, yeah, I do Keta, I do G, I do um, other drugs. I am certain type of gay. But at least I am not the type of gay that consumes meth. Honey, drugs are drugs. You yeah. know, there is I, a different process and there is such a judgmental circle that things that I have, I have a higher ground, I have a higher nose because I don't touch the stuff when you are passing out every weekend because you don't know how to control G, you don't know how to control Keta, you don't know how to control cocaine. So, you know, it's, it's, that's what was one of the things that I started getting out of this type of circumstances before I got clean, you know, because mm. there is. Uh, you know, like this, this, this drug is, is, is actually, this one of the ones that just completely takes your life, you know, I'm not saying the other ones don't, but you know, like this one isolates you and, 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 and it is just such a completely, uh, opaque feeling that you get and, and then feeling judged by the same community that is partying with you at the same time, same community that you're trying to help in your own way. Yeah. It's kind of like, you know, like more upsetting and, and so on it's it's the thing with the gay scene especially around drug taking we like to romanticize it yes by course. using less abrasive words like slamming instead of injecting yes um we call it tina instead of crystal meth mm -hmm. um chi instead of what it yeah. might actually be so it it we're very good at making it seem nicer yeah than yeah. it actually is yeah. um and then like you say there will be groups who do be heavy drug users but who just not do injection yeah. and then it'll be very judgmental yes. um so it, it i've definitely experienced that as well yeah. um at the end of my using i was injecting as well mm. so it's it's and in my head i was like oh well it's slamming it's not like i'm uh, injecting heroin behind the dumpster somewhere yeah. so i'm okay yeah that's oh god yeah yeah, that's where your brain goes. It's uh, one one of the things that I do now is, you know, like uh, and, and you will hear in the way that I talk, I, I call the things by their name mm. because I, I think that's important. That's, as well. It is very important. Give it the word that it has because it deserves the word. Like, you know, that's that's the name of the shit. When I the first time that I consume crystal meth. I had no idea it was crystal meth. The guy told me, oh, it's just something to help us keep awake. That's it. And I was <laughs> I've heard that one before. I know. Yeah. And you hear Tina, you say like, oh, poof, cute. Yeah. The fuck? She sounds and like I, fun. And, oh, God, it was, it was so funny. It was, it, and the, the thing is, you know, like, back then I also had a very low self-esteem. And I had a lot of problems with my body. And this guy was unbelievably hot he was just so cute and so sexy beautiful body beautiful uh, voice you know like i was completely cultivated by him and then he comes and he offers something like that and i'm like oh my god i if i don't like he might leave you know mm. it's 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 uh it's 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 such a lame excuse i know but it's just it, it just it is what it is you know and and you know i i consider myself as a highly educated person you know and and you always hear uh, coming from Latin America, you always hear that drugs is something of a second, third tier kind of people. And boy, oh boy, they're wrong. There is so many functional addicts everywhere and, you know, highly professional people. Because, you know, like one of, one of the things that I used to say before is that 
I needed, I, I, I just, I wish I could calm my thoughts and my brain the, the way that people, other people do. I cannot do that unless I'm taking drugs. It's the only moment that my brain can be relaxed, can shut off because I'm disconnecting everything there, you know. Um, and when this guy offered me that, I was like, okay, let's try it. And the moment, the first moment that I realized, oh, this shit is actually crystal meth. I've been already smoking it like for six weeks, six months, something like that. And, you know, like, uh, I, I realized that and, and it was, it was such a shock for me. I remember I was reading something that has happened in, in Berlin and then they, it was something in the news and they were talking about. Tina and, and then they say, okay, that, that's actually crystal meth. That's how I find out yeah. that it was actually crystal meth. I read the shit. I get fucking nervous. I, 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 I really like start shaking. I say, like, I cannot believe I've been doing this shit. What the fuck? You know, I was, I was so shocked. I grabbed everything that I had. I threw everything in the toilet and uh, the, the, the pipe and everything that I had. I smashed it and I packed it properly and I throw it into the trash. And then I was like, I will never do this shit again. Three, four months later, <laughs> I arrived to a party and I'm like, yeah. I haven't done it in a while. You know, I can't do it That'd again. I'll be, be fine. You know, it's okay. I, I, you know, I cannot do it for four months. I, one time it's not going to happen. And then, and then I move on. Then the roundabout. Then the roundabout, exactly. Yeah. And there was, at the end of the last, uh, the last two years of my consumption, that was precisely the only drug I was taking, you know, I was not taking anything else. I didn't need anything else. I realized this is what works for me. Mm. This is, uh, this is uh, a process that I already, you know, put my body into. And at the, at, 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 at the mark of the last two years of my consumption, there was, you know, like with crystal meth, you have a lot of people that cannot get erections and so on. I was at the beginning like that, but there was a moment that because of the consumption and I don't know what happened. Like I used to get these raging boners after I was injecting. That was like gold mine in Berlin. You are you you're injecting and you're able to fuck? Like you're able to actually you have and, <laughs> oh, and you dear. you have a hard on like that, you know? And 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 I'm like, yeah, and then didn't boom. Party here, party there every weekend during the day. Like, you know, I had people come into my apartment where you just party and stuff like that, you know, and, and because it, it was it was such a wow, you're able to do that, you know, and I was like, yeah, sure, you know, and, and it's it's uh it became very not helpful at all. Fun yeah. was fucking hilarious, you know, in that moment. And and I say that now because you know one of the things that I learned during therapy that uh, my therapist the, my therapist helped me realize was like I was living in Berlin five six years and I did and I did so many shit I did so many stuff I partied my heart content I consumed so many shit I did so many uh, parties events you called it like I so many fantasies came true and so on. Until the moment that, and this is the reason why I stopped, until the moment that I met a guy and, you know, we were, we've been playing for a while and I, I, I don't know why I trusted him. I, just, I had just met the guy like the same day, you know, 24 yeah. hours before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then he told me, I want to prepare the next injection for you. And I was like, sure, okay, go ahead, you know, I was good.
uh, and this person put a like a huge amount where I was for example on my last consumption just to get you an idea I was easily injecting 0 0.25 0 0.30 of a gram you know and this guy put almost 45 0.45 0.50 directly mm. and I didn't even question it. I just did it and you know like even though it's not something you can actually die for you believe me you definitely feel like you're dying it's it's just the shittiest moment. It was so bad, and he was sitting in a corner looking at me because he was like, "I just wanted to see what would happen to someone. What would how would someone react?" And he was high himself as well, you know. I don't. It's not someone that I say, "Okay, that is his fault," because it is. It was definitely my fault. But during that time, that it could have been one minute. It could have been one hour like my brain was going so many places and one of the things that i i thought i, I thought i i did felt like i was dying i felt that i was dying i felt i've never had an od i never had any critical moment besides having a keyhole now and then i never had anything there because i was such a control freak of everything that i used mm. That in that moment, given everything that I knew, I thought I was OD. I thought, this is it. And my my thought in my head was like, fuck, people are gonna find me. If I die here, they're gonna find me. My boyfriend is gonna find me in my apartment like this. My family is gonna find me in my apartment like this. You know, my family doesn't even live in the continent. But in my mind, I felt like how mm. Could you like? I thought like I, I I I thought about my family reactions to he died of an overdose while injecting himself with crystal meth. Fuck, because they had absolutely no idea of any of that. Mm. And that moment was the pivot moment in my consumption life where I said like, this is just not worth it. I can't. I won't. And after that moment, it took it took a while. It took like six months uh, before I start actually looking for help, and I did. And at the beginning of uh, <laughs> at the beginning of the pandemic, actually of the COVID pandemic, yeah, I got an opportunity to go to a clinic. And right before I went to the clinic, I went to the clinic on a Friday, and on the Wednesday or Tuesday of that week, they were announcing full lockdowns everywhere. And I remember I called my best friend. I said like. I shouldn't go because you know like what if they close it down you know maybe they're gonna close it of course i was wishing they would be closing i mean I, this 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 thinking of i want to go but if it doesn't happen well oh. i try yeah um, at least you gave it a go exactly yeah, yeah, yeah. and he told me like well go just just think about this if you go and everyone is in lockdown you go you do everything and maybe we're still in lockdown when you leave. He told me that as a joke. Mm. It was not a joke. <laughs> that's, what, that's what happened. I, I, I am, you know, like getting clean, it is such a hard process. It is such a hard decision to do that. For many people around the world, these years with COVID were like the shittiest years of their life. For me, was the beginning of the best time of my life. Completely not related to the 
the, the virus, of course. But, you know, for me, mm. it was like the city that I've been for so long, you know, um, was like, you know what? You need a break? I'll give you a break. I got out of the clinic. The clothes were still closed. Many people have done that, you know, like they go to clinics, they come back to Berlin, boom, one month later, one week. I don't, you know, like it's, 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 it's something that uh, I, I said I'm, I'm, I'm in recovery because I am in recovery. I haven't t- touched anything in 3.5 years mm. and I am very happy of that and very happy with myself. Um, it's, but this it's, is, a, it's an achievement yeah. because, it, and, and I, I, I will commend you on that because Crystal is such a fucking yeah. nightmare to get away from. And this is, um, I celebrated six years, two days I, ago. I saw, yeah. congratulations on thank that. You, that I saw that and you were like, how did I do that? Like, oh, what, are you, what, what are you asking? Of course you know how you did that. Um, <laughs> but even, even as, at six years, I still have my moments where no. it's like, oh, it'd be nice to go back. And then I hear stories. Mm. I hear horror stories. Yeah. A little bit like the one you just mentioned with the guy injecting you, just like I just want to see what yes, happens. Yes. And this is this is the crazy thing when when you have people who are on this drug where inhibitions go, and your brain just goes these weird dark places. Mm-hmm. Of course, it's it's a horrible thing he did, but he's not in his right state of exactly. mind. So you yeah. do crazy shit. Yeah, trust yeah. me, I've heard stories where it's even even worse than that uh, because I I work with a. Um, and on-off work with a charity con- con- mm-hmm. called Controlling Chemtex in London. And they it's purely online. So they have like presence on Scruff and Grinder and so on. And they have people contacting them. And some of the stories that come out, is it's heartbreaking. Um, I, I won't go through one of them, but one of them broke me for like two, three hours. I was just bawling my eyes yeah. out because it was just someone's life got destroyed. Yeah. Um, yeah. And the thing is, is, even though we are on that path of recovery, like one one of the things that it happens that I and I and I, told, I told my fiance this story because uh, uh, one time that I was just having a down moment, I told him like this is like living with a huge shadow upon your shoulders, and it's it's a dark shadow that is behind you and it's just waiting for you to fall down. It's just there, like you know, like kind of hugging you because, you know, like some, some days I feel it here. Some days I feel it like breathing behind my ear. Mm. It is something that I will have forever to live with, you know. It, it gets easier, definitely. Mm. It does get easier. Um, but also like because I'm, uh, you know, I'm, 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 I'm a very responsible person. I get my blood check every three months. And, you know, and I'm also positive. So, you know, like I need to keep control and so on and so on. Since the first moment that I got clean, going to get my blood out, that has not gotten easier. Like I know those days, it's... I'm exactly the same. Oh my God, uh, really? Like it's... it's and, and right now, like, you know, like I have such a good relationship with my doctors and, and my nurses that, you know, like they know, they know the story, they know everything. And, you know, like... Uh, she's such a sweet lady, and and every time that I go there, she's like, oh, he comes now, and then we start talking, and she knows that this is not easy for me, and she knows that this is hard, and mm. and, and she always gives uh, conversation, you know, I, I have to look away because the feeling and, and everything, and one of my arms, like, it's always one arm, the one that she has to take out blood, because the other one, like, you know, like, it's not healthy yet, it's, not, it's still not, not yeah. healed, yeah. you know, and... 
having to do that all the time there and every, every three months is every three months going there and doing the, exactly the same process you know um, sometimes I'm we plan it good enough that my fiance comes with me sometimes I have to go alone one time that he was in Berlin that we couldn't do it at the same time he was in Berlin and I was on my way to 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 get the, the blood done and so on um, I was thinking like oh my god I don't really want to do this I don't want to go I'm alone I'm alone and I get off the station right in front of the building where my doctors are. There was my fiance waiting for me. I was like, what the fuck are you doing here? So like, I cannot stay. I cannot stay because I have something to do and I need to go that, do that now. But I know this is such a hard time for you. Mm. I don't want you to do it alone. He didn't stay with me. He just he was just, he was there. just there. He was just there to give me a hug and, and to tell me everything's going to be okay. And Having him in my life, it's one of the best things that I have right now. And, and being able to be sober and appreciate that after all the shit that I put him through, because I did put him through some shit. Um, How long have you been together? Uh, it's going to be seven years now. In seven December. years. Yeah. So he's, he's seen you at your worst. He's seen me at my worst and he's seen me now. And and how how's that mm. affected actually let me just finish with the last question because sure. there was actually a fourth question <laughs> but okay. it, i didn't want to okay. stop your flow and it don't was get, just don't, don't so much good stuff in there and i just like <laughs> oh i'm just gonna let him talk because uh, this, this is important stuff um what is clear play to you and why it's important and i think it's an interesting question especially when you're talking about being a sex addict as well mm. So having healthy, clear play, how does that look to you and why is it important? Oh, well, it is important because, you know, um, something that comes into my mind first is my sobriety. Mm. Every aspect of it. Even when I go visit my family, I come from a Latin household. So, you know, I had to explain a lot of times to my dad that, yes, whiskey is still alcohol. Yes, beer is definitely alcohol. Yeah, I cannot have rum cake, mom, because it has alcohol, yeah, you know. And, and, and explaining uh, the sobriety as well. Uh, uh, such a thing that at the beginning, you don't really know how to do it because you are a little bit afraid of how people will react. Um, but even my, my social dating apps, you know, like I have my Twitter, I have my Gay Romeo, I have my Grinder. When I, I remove all of that while I was in, in rehab, you know, mm. Got out of everything. I didn't want to have any contact. You know, I didn't want to have anything. Plus, like, they, they kind of get that out of you as well. <laughs> and, you know, like, yeah. you shouldn't. And my, my therapist, she, they woman you everything. She was like, and do you have gay Romeo? And do you have this? And do you have that? And I'm like, you got to delete all of that. And, and, you know, they tell you what to do, but they don't force you because it has to be your thing. And that's one of the main things about sobriety. It has to come from you. No one can force you. No one is going to take you by the hand. I did this for me, by myself, but I had a beautiful support around me. Um, but the reason that I got sober was because of me. And I decided, and I, I'm aware that I am priority number one. So my sobriety, my self-esteem, my love, my body, it is the most important thing in my life. Nothing else. Is there it it my sobriety and my life my respect for myself that is the first thing that it's on the priority list period mm. and i make clear that on all my profiles and you know like it's something that i talk about i am a sober pig 
I love to be who I am. And when people ask me about it, I talk mm. about it. Mm. When people don't ask, you know, and you have always people that, even though it is clear on my profile, and I mentioned it two different times, and when people ask me, what are you into? I have, a, I write a, a paragraph of what I am into, and I'm always finishing without cans. That's it. Yeah. And there's still people that say like, oh, is it okay when I take something? Like, it is okay, but then I will not play with you. There you go. It is okay when I drink something. Like, I'd rather you not drink alcohol. I don't want to force you to be sober, but it's just playing sober is such an ecstasy. It's such a beautiful thing. And that is, that is it's, 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 for me, it's just the most important thing. To be able to meet someone, have a date, go to a club, do something, and remember everything the next day, and going to brunch, going to the gym, because, you know, like, being able to have a life the day after you party, oh my God, what do I do with so much time? I love it. I freaking love it. I love it. Being being gay, you know, depends on where you come from. There is so much years of your life that you couldn't be who you are. And that at least that's what happened with me. I came out when I was 20, 21 years old. All this teen love, all these young years and so on, we didn't, I, I didn't enjoy it the, the same as some of my peers, you know? Mm. We, we get robbed of uh, this first love, first crush, you know, being able to express, to talk with your friends, with your family, with your dad, with your mom, to talk about all of these experiences. We don't have that. And, and you know, like now I have so much time and, 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 and I realize that there is absolutely nothing wrong in being who I am. And, and that's something that I learned while I was in therapy. That's something that I keep doing again. I, I am who I am and I've met people new friends and made new connections because I am true to myself and because I keep true to myself. And being me has opened me so many doors and asses and parties. <laughs> so I, and, you know, it's, 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 it's just, that's, that's the thing, you know? It's just, I, I find it's, 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 for me, it's just the most important thing. I'm, I'm curious because you mentioned sex addiction. Mm -hmm. It's not something that's been touched much on in my podcast because Ooh. we're fetishists and we like sex and so on. Sure. So how do you feel like with sobriety and self-proclaimed sex addict, mm -hmm. how do you navigate doing sex but also still keeping it at a healthy level? Because the problem with sex addiction, it's like food. You mm -hmm. need food. You also need sex. Yeah. It's healthy. Yeah. But how do you feel like, okay, now I'm getting to my limit. This is now where it starts getting unhealthy. Something that I don't know if this is politically correct. Yeah, I'm, I, will, I will try to put it in words because I also, you know, like I don't, I, I don't want to say anything, anything wrong. But one time talking about with, uh, exactly about this issue mm. or this situation with some friends and even with my fiance, like I just, I don't, out of the blue, I had this, this thought. And also talking with with a next user as well, um, we had a laugh about it because you know, like there is a, there is the moment that I had I had this thoughts so like, do you know how I know that I am not like or I have in control my sex addiction? He was like, why? I don't know. Like how how do you know? And 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 then I start thinking because I said like, I it's just because I just don't have sex with everyone anymore. And he looked at me and he started laughing so hard. And I'm like, girl, when you're high and when you're a sex addict, 
you want to have sex you look you know that's a dick i'll jump on that yeah yeah the world you know like uh, mm. and you know you can find everything that's that's something that i am I'm, I'm very selective now and, and i only meet and i only play individually with people that know my story that know me or are at least willing to talk to me before something that while i was starting to play with people completely weird i don't know if you heard of this but some people go on on a date before they have sex i know <laughs> i was just like what i Can always you talk before I, you have like, i always what? you know i always as, as much as uh, as i enjoy <sighs> anonymous hookups and so on but because i'm so wired to now if someone actually suggests oh let's go for a coffee first mm-hmm. i was just like that weirds me out because yeah. my brain is wired to because like definitely it is. Th- that's a date that's not sex it is it is definitely weird but some people that is perfectly normal yeah, and, yeah. and to be honest meeting up with someone actually seeing if there is a connection or mm-hmm. a little bit of chem- sexual chemistry yes yes it's actually bloody reasonable yeah exactly. um, the amount of times i've done it the reverse when i was still using being in love with someone in a session and you probably experience like oh my god it's chemistry and then and then you meet them afterwards and there's mm. silence mm. you have nothing to Three talk kids. about yeah but it yeah even after six years when someone kind of is like oh let's have a coffee it, it weirds me out it's like yeah yeah, yeah. well do, do you have like a a corpse in a, in a freezer at home <laughs> is that what we're talking about I i'd mean, rather just show up to your apartment without knowing you Going yeah. into the unknown. Yeah. At the beginning, that's that's a couple of things that I did just to, to help me ease into, you know, meeting people because yeah. I was very nervous. One of one of my bigger fears is to accidentally have a relapse. I am scared shit for that shit. I'm really like it is one of my biggest fears. Because and this is a sad reality of all fetishes in the freaking world. There is people that get soft on forcing drugs onto people, mm. knowingly that knowing that they are sober, or even if they have consumed, they get off because they just want to get someone else high. Mm. And I've heard I've heard stories about that. People all over the world, you know, guys that just want to slip drugs into someone and and. Obviously, not only in the gay community or a queer community, you have also uh, in, in, in for straights as well. You know, it happens as well. Yeah. Women drugging men, men drugging women, you know, like that. It does happen. So one of my biggest fears is, you know, to have a relapse because, you know, I decided to trust someone or because I was not careful enough. Yeah. When I go clubbing, I just drink water and I'm both cut with my water and I close it and you know or I drink it right away my Red Bull also drink it right away you know whatever I'm drinking I am aware and I know where my stuff is and I always cover my but I don't really drink anything that comes in a glass because because it's yeah no like they don't serve cola or whatever in glasses here anymore so you know everything is in bottles so that that makes it easier to to keep safe uh but one of my one of my biggest fears is, is something like that you know like Going meeting someone and that person uh, drugging me knowingly, or you know, even if it would be by accident, you know, because it also could happen, you know, it could be intended for some, I don't know, like there's sadly different possibilities. 
but there is definitely a group of people that likes to do that on purpose. You know? Well, and, it's, and there's been um, like also safe practices when you go out clubbing. It's like if you're into piss, mm -hmm. you have to be really careful on who you drink piss from or, or get not... pissed fucked because if they're on drugs, it will be in the piss. Going clubbing and so on, yes, like you say, it can be unintentional. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't have to be like this big baddie with a little bottle in the corner uh, spiking your drink. It mm -hmm. can be completely yeah. unintentional. Education, people. <laughs> Learn Abs your shit. Absolutely. Because so that from, from like, I, I, I'm also into this. I, I used to love it a lot. And it's something that I don't, I don't really, I've, that's something that I haven't done since I'm sober. Mm -hmm. At least not on my body. I've, I've pissed on other people, you know, and stuff like that because I, You're know, a giver. I know my piss is clean. But I, I, I don't, I haven't received mm -hmm. because the of same that. point. I am aware that, you know, like your pee doesn't, like your just body doesn't you. filter everything. Yeah. Yeah, it depends on how you consume, what you consume, how long have you been consuming. Your pee is going to be loaded. Hello, that's how they do drug tests directly in your pee because your pee still contains traces of the drug or drugs, you know, and mm -hmm. that's people, as you say, booty bomb, there's such a common practice because, you know, like you had someone that has just injected, oh, please, peace inside of me because I want to get high, but I don't want to consume the way that you consume, you know, and, and you know, like for me, that's, that's one of the biggest fears, you know, to, to have a, a, a relapse and mm -hmm. not being aware that it's happening because... There's people that they go, they, they accidentally drink something or take something. They realize, oh shit, I did something. Boom, stop right there. People that go on relapse that last 10 years, a lifetime. Yeah. People that don't come out of a relapse. Yeah, and that, that's the scary bit. There's a lot of, like, if it's like, oh, I fucked mm -hmm. up, I'll keep going. Yeah. Even after six years, if I ended up in that situation, I have no idea what would happen. You, I, I have exactly. no clue what my exactly. brain is going to do when exactly. that happens. Exactly. Um, so we talked a little bit about your uh, partner of eight years, you said? Seven years. Seven years. Seven years. Um, how has that been? <laughs> Just like, yeah, mm. don't, don't say that. Oh, I think oh. Six, seven years. Six, seven years. Six, yeah. seven years. So how he's been a massive support yeah. of, of getting an impression from, from that. But has it been really hard to kind of build like the trust and 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 actually make sure that the, the relationship is healthy because it's mm. it's one thing being the addict but mm. it's one thing being the partner of the addict oh god and one of the things that they tell you at the beginning is like being in a relationship with someone that has not done therapy is hard when when i went to do my detox for example i didn't tell him that i was doing that because I was not sure I was going. And when I got the space, because, you know, like being a city like Berlin, we love to make lines and there's waiting list for everything. You want to get sober, there's a waiting list, definitely. Yeah. Which I've heard after COVID has gotten worse. But, you know, like there's great clinics all, all around. So um, I went to do this detox that is like three weeks, uh, two, three weeks that you do in a hospital that is mandatory before you do like a normal, like a long period clean. Oh, God, this story. I went there. The moment that I told him, okay, I'm going there, he was so happy. Of course. I mean, not of course, but he was happy because I didn't tell him that I was doing that until I was already doing it. I didn't want to tell him, like, hey, I'm, tr I'm thinking about this because I, don't, I didn't even knew if I could trust myself, you know? This experience in, in the detox clinic was horrendous, awful, 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 awful. This is, <laughs> he went to visit me 
I was there already for one week and he went to visit me. He baked me a cake. He's such a sweetheart. And he's a keeper. He's a keeper. <laughs> <coughs> Ask me what the cake was. Oh no, what cake was it? Rum and raisins. Rum and raisins. My sweet, beautiful boy. He brought me rum and raisins cake to a rehab detox clinic because, and I quote, you're not here because of alcohol, which is true. That's fair enough. Oh my God. We, <laughs> we, it, it's the, this, actually the cutest fucking this, thing. It, it, that, you know, like that, that's the cutest thing because I know his, his heart was in the right place. Oh, absolutely. But his head just didn't, didn't make those just didn't, connections, yeah, which yeah. is actually really really adorable you got it like you like one of the things that we realize as a couple we are learning so much because no one teach you how to be an addict no one teach you how to be a recovery addict no one teach them how can i be a supporting partner how can i be how how can i trust it where you're telling me you're not taking drugs that you're actually not taking drugs like how you know like there is not a handbook there is, and because every journey, every person, every couple, it is different. What worked for you, great, might not work, work for me, you mm. know? There are certain stuff that, of course, we're going to have common ground because there are books and books and books about addiction, but, you know, like every person's journey is their own. And every person reacts differently to everything. And, you know, like I, I did this in Gifton, like the entire room was smelling of alcohol, rum. And one of my roommates in that room, like he was there because of alcohol. So I told him like, you need to pack the shit and you need to leave now. We got to like, I could have gotten kicked out mm. and he would have definitely gotten kicked out. You know, um, no one find out. Hopefully they will not see this. Um, <laughs> Hi. <laughs> but you know, like it's, it's uh, now like when I tell he, and he hates, he hates that I tell this story. But I fucking love it because but, it is it is a sample of our relationship. You know, absolutely. <laughs> and and you know what? It's, it's, well, make your partner watch this, but uh, <laughs> just tell him. I, I thought it was simply the cutest thing. Yeah, because yeah, it's it, fucking it, adorable. Also, also, when I kind of refer to non-addicts, I kind of call them muggles because muggles. they just don't they don't quite the intentions are good. Mm -hmm. yeah. Absolutely, uh, everyone who try has tried to help an addict has good intentions. No. Some are good, some are bad. It's it's this whole notion of like, for example, people host interventions. Not a good idea. Oh God. I'm, it's yeah. it's a it's a very American thing. It does not work because if the person's not ready, they're not ready. Um I've had friends call yeah. um uh, call me a junkie trying to snap me out of it. Didn't stop me. Um it was a harsh one to get thrown in my face. Mm. But it didn't stop me. Um, but yeah, never try to stage an intervention for a drug addict if they're not ready. That's, that's they the need thing. to come yeah. to you. The only thing you can do as a supporting partner or family member is to be there. Yeah, listen to what they have to say, and then hopefully they will get to the same to to the right conclusion at the end. So yeah. you've been in Berlin eight years. Eight years. Eight years. So what brought you to Berlin? Work. Work. Mostly work, yeah. That was the word, like I had an opportunity to come. I that year, two thousand fifteen, I was planning a holiday trip to Europe with my boyfriend at the time, and we canceled the trip because you know, like I I got a 
a contact or like I got headhunted from a company in Berlin that wanted me to work with them because I worked in a project with one of their employees in Austin, Texas in the past. Mm -hmm. And they said like, we, we, we like what you do. We, we like the way that you work. Would you be interested? And I said like, okay. We start talking in January and by the end of February, I already had signed my contract. And April 1st, 2015, I came to Berlin. And I remember that day very, 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 it's, it's very engraving my head because I got to the temporary apartment that was going to be for the first month and I get the key for the apartment. And I remember it was, it was this, uh, it's this moment in April where it's not like, it's not winter, but it's like the, the middle of, of, of the, um, spring starting, you know, but, but not really spring, but it's like, Cold this uncertain, yeah, yeah, that, yeah, that, that, that actually, that day was the last day that there was like the, the cutest of the last snowfalls, you know, mm. like it was super clean, was like a movie. Yeah. And when I'm in my apartment, I remember I just, I, I took my backpack and, and the suitcase and so on. And I took a breath and that moment for me felt like, I am breathing for the first time in my life because I am somewhere where there is no a soul that knows me. My best friend was the HR that had hunted me. You know, like, yeah. and she's not my best friend. She was not just for you to get an idea. For me, that was just such a freeing moment, you know, uh, because, you know, like coming from Latin American country, a religious family and so on, even though at the end my dad was supportive uh, and, and my mom, she came around to the situation and so on, um, it, it, it's, it's not the same. And when I left, uh, there was, when I told him that I was leaving, my, my mom, she kept telling me, oh no, you're not leaving. To the last day that I was about to leave, I said like, I'm leaving tomorrow. She did not believe it. You know, like she was not really believing. Mm -hmm. Where my dad, which was the first person that I came out to, by the way, um, when I told him I was leaving, he, he just looked at me and he told me like the most beautiful words ever. So like, all right, you go, do whatever you gotta do, live your life. You know, if something bad happens, this is home. And those words from my dad, poof, that was such a, such a rush in the moment because I said like, he's with me, he's behind me. He understands why I'm doing this. And, and you know like it's uh we have such a beautiful relationship now the first time that he visited me in berlin we talk about so much about me coming out and, and stuff like that conversations that we never would have been able to have in costa rica mm. and you know like he's he's for me he's, he's one of my best friends we are super close and you know and it's nice to know that i have the support from my family now but at the beginning it was most definitely not like that it was it was a difficult start. Yeah, yeah, yeah. difficult start. So, but, did the drugs start when you moved here? No, I, I, or I had was, you already. I was. Yeah, I mean, I party kid, techno club kid. You know, that's that we used to have private parties back home. Uh, but for example, like I never really uh, like the, the 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 hardest thing that I was doing there was like I did a couple of times LSD. Uh, I was more like a pothead, you know, which actually after the Gifton, because I was eh, after the, the detox, 
my idea was I just want to get rid of prison meth. I want to keep consuming alcohol. I want to keep consuming weed. Mm. I just don't want to keep consuming crystal meth. And THC, like weed consumption, was actually the reason why I had my relapse after I got clean for the first time. Because, you know, I was smoking a joint and I, vi- I visited my old dealer, French. He was like, oh, so you're good? Like, yeah, I'm good. And, and then he was like, is it okay when I inject in front of you? That's not a problem for you. And I was like, Pops, that's your thing. You can do whatever you want. Of course, it was not okay. Five minutes later, I was preparing my own. Yeah. Dumb shit. Well, that's, that's, it's kind of similar with me. This is one of the reasons I don't drink alcohol. Because I will drink alcohol and then I'll get to here. And then I want more. Mm-hmm. You know, like your inhibitions are lower when you drink alcohol. Because that's the effect. That's why people do it. Because they release, they relax, whatever, yeah. whatever you know. I... I'm sober and I'm clear of mind. If someone comes at me and tells me, do you want something? I said, like, definitely not. If I would be somehow buzzed or drunk, I don't know if I would be able to say no. Mm. Because I don't know. That's the point. I don't know. I don't want to find out. There is way too much in the line for me to just play around and, and see what, because that's... It's, it's too risky. It's too damn risky. The detox process was so hard. Getting clean in the clinic, you know, like, and, and mostly like my German skyrocketed from that moment, by the way, because everything was in German. Doctors in German, therapy in German, you know, and, and my main therapist, we were speaking in, in, in English, but everything else was German. The rest of the patients were in German. The most important thing about therapy is the group therapy as well, sharing stories, getting to know other people. All of that was in German. For me at the beginning, it was so fucking hard. I really thought about quitting a couple of times because it just, it makes no sense. Even finding the the, 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 the clinic was was very, uh, a very stressful moment. My boyfriend, well, my, my fiance, uh, he was helping me find, trying to find different clinics. One time he told me, like, I've called so many clinics and when they tell me everything that they do, I just don't want you to go there because it sounds awful. And I was like, okay. He's like, yes, I called one in Hamburg and it looks like, I know, it's like a little jail and you cannot even get visits. And, and, and I was like, okay, yeah. We visited a couple in Berlin because in Berlin, you know, like being the city that it is, you have certain clinics around Berlin and in Berlin as well. I remember we went to one close to some somehow in Schoenberg, we went to one of these open days. So you go, they talk to you, they, they tell you, okay, this is the clinic. If you decide to come here, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, I didn't like the place. It was like, I also, me being very bitchy. And in that moment I was asking a lot of questions and I was like, and do you have this type of program? I love music. So I said, you have a music outlet. Do you have a creative outlet? Is there anything else that I can do besides talking and so on and so on and i didn't like the answers i was like i don't like this place i walk out of the clinic because i didn't want to be there and my fiance he stays there talking with one of the guys and then he walks towards where i am my fiance when he starts walking away from the guy he starts crying and 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 this is one meter 90 german guy that you know like I, i see him crying so heartbroken and I, I could like what the fuck that guy told you what what, what what's going on and 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 then he told me 
that the head of that clinic told him that he needed to let me go because it was obvious that I didn't want to get help. Those words broke him and broke me so bad because I said, like, I do want to get help and I'm trying to get it. We're trying, like, it's just, it's so hard to find what you think it might be the right place. One time I call, like around February, I get a call from the clinic that I applied while I was in the detox clinic. And they call me and say, like, you want to get sober? Like, yes. You want, are you still sober? And I'm like, mm -hmm. and then he told me, okay, you need to be at least one month sober or having to do detox before you come here. And I was just like, all right. I went there, had one of these talk days. The place, beautiful. Spando very close to water i the moment that i went there uh one of the patients that was there he told me like you look so cocky because i was like wearing my sunglasses and my dr martins and you know like i was just like being like you'd be lucky if you had me you know like that, that I, I don't know like just being again bitch you know yeah, yeah, yeah. hi <laughs> c'est moi I, they give me the entire talk about everything short therapy three months then you can do long therapy six months and then we have adaption that is four months extra etc etc and i said okay you know what let's let's talk about six months i would like to do six months so like okay i thought that was the easiest part you know like just deciding all of that and then they told me i asked okay when can i start and they were like well it's not that easy you gotta go on a waiting list and i'm like waiting list how many people are trying to get here? And they were like, no, it's not that type of waiting list. It's just that for certain weeks, we're going to call, like, you got to call us every Monday and you're going to tell us, hi, my name is Mao. I'm still clean and I still want to go to the clinic. So you have to prove to them. You got to call them. Yeah. You got to call them once a week, every Monday. No, doesn't matter the time. Doesn't matter if it's Monday. Like once a week, you gotta call them, and you're gonna like reassure your spot in that waiting list. You know, yes, I'm still sober. Yes, I still want to go. They, she told me like that could be two weeks, five weeks, six weeks, eight weeks. We don't know because we gotta wait until one per like because there are limited spaces, of course. You know, and, and then yeah. all of that happened. And uh, while I I went and I got waitlisted. I didn't tell my fiance any of that. I didn't tell him because again, that moment, I didn't knew when it was going to happen, when I was going to get my spot in the clinic. I had no idea. And I had no idea if I could keep sober that long because it is hard. So I didn't tell them. Uh, week by week, I kept calling. I kept being sober. You know, uh, maybe I was drinking alcohol, something like that, but not really like drugs. I was completely clean. By April the third, that was on a Friday. That was no. By April, April, April first, I think, because coincidentally enough, also in April, um, the doctor calls me from the clinic, and and he says, "Hey, so we got a spot for you, but you need to get a." That was when at the beginning of COVID, where the only reason you could get a COVID test was if you were a valid contact to mm. someone that it is actually with COVID. Mm. I'm talking the beginning of, of the pandemic, before, like, while the lockdown started and so on. You couldn't get it. 
just because I wanted to check if I have COVID or not. Thankfully, like we are like my doctors, like we, we have a good relationship and my doctor, he knew everything. He knew my entire drug history because if you're not honest to your doctor, that's a problem. You gotta mm -hmm. be honest to your Trust doctor. Trust me, I've said that to many people. You, they need to know your shit. Mm. If you don't like, you know, and like, if you don't like the doctor, change the doctor. Change the doctor, but you gotta trust your doctor. You gotta, you gotta have a relationship with the guy or the girl, with them or them. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> All of it. And you know, like we call him and say, like, hey, this is happening, uh, but you we need, need a COVID this. test. And he was like, okay, get here and now. I went on the same Wednesday. They got all the annoying thing that I had to do. And by Thursday night, we received the email that I was clean as a baby, you know, like I didn't have anything. And I, the, the, the clinic told me, we will call you on Friday just to, to, to check with you to see what's going on. They called me on Friday at 10 a.m., the doctor, the, the doctor from the clinic. And he tells me, okay, if you, we got a spot for you, but you got to make yourself available to get one of these COVID tests. And if you're negative, then we will talk about a date. I immediately told him like, uh, so I did already a COVID test on Wednesday when you told me, when you told me that I might need one. I got it yesterday, it's negative. And he was like, well, that was fast. <laughs> I have done this, you know, like my boyfriend, he knew that I needed the COVID test, but we were uncertain about the time and so on. Then uh, that, that was around 10 a.m. And the doctor, he was, he was just like, Okay, well, give me a moment. I'll call you right back. Then I'm like, okay, that that seems normal, I guess. He called me ten minutes later, and he said, like, okay, you already got the test. We cannot give any chance for you to get infected whatsoever. Blah blah. blah. Can you get here before noon? I said, like, okay. I called my fiance. I said, like, hey, baby. So this and this happened, and he was like, I will pick you up right now. Like, I have no idea how I packed what I needed to pack. The first thing that I packed was my guitar because I said, like, I need the shit. Um, I packed my guitar. I put stuff in a suitcase and so on. And he picked me up. And, and the entire way from Free Design to Spandau to go to the clinic, the entire time, he did not let go of my hand. I was fucking nervous. I had no idea what to expect. And... Mm. Um, I got there and they did all the paperwork. They did drug tests as well. And of course, everything was clean. Um, I'm still, I still was nervous though. I still wasn't because if something came up, yeah, you know, they could say no. They could say no. And I yeah. thought like if something comes out, they're going to tell me, no, you're not here. And how do I explain my boyfriend that it is possible? Like how, you know, like it, it's such, and I'm a very dramatic person as well. <sighs> not in touch with my feelings. That's how I like to describe it. Yes. Um, and then that happened. And yeah, that's, that's how we started the clinic, the, the process in the clinic. And, you know, the beginning was a bit of a shock, of course. Uh, two weeks without any contact with the outside world whatsoever. And that's how I started. More or less the rest of the world was like that because everyone was in lockdown. That, that's what I said. You know, like I, I do feel for the people that had such a horrible time during COVID. But... For us, the, there was there is an, an entire generation from this clinic that we came out. We still were still we were still in lockdown, and I was nine months in the clinic in total because I did six months uh, of the rehab process and four months 
uh, adoption process that is like you live in an apartment in the same property but same rules but a little bit more relaxed and so on and it was it was it was great you know like i got out and berlin was still in lockdown many many of uh, the people that i have not spoken in a while you know like there was nothing like oh where is mauricio because everyone was like there is no reason to ask where someone is because everything is closed you know mm. And uh, there was somehow a anonymity about the entire situation. A lot of people, I told them, like, when I told them, yeah, I actually wasn't there. Where are you? How long? And then, you know, they realized that we have not seen each other for that long because of that happened, you know. Mm. And, but because COVID was happening at the same time, it was like the perfect cover up. It was, it kind of made sense it, it, when it, it, it came sense. together. It makes sense, you know. So coming to Berlin, were you already kinky? Were you already a pig? At that point, or is that something Berlin brought out? Ooh, just to round definitely. up the episode. Just let's get a little bit kinky yeah, in there. Yeah, yeah, sure, definitely. Um, yeah, I actually wanted to tell you about the. Uh, Want to tell you a story about the, when I started reconnecting with my sexuality. Um, Berlin definitely brought a nasty, kinky side of myself. If you have never visited Berlin and you come to Berlin, it's gonna expand many parts of your body including your brain you mm. know it's because it's just it's just what the city does you know there's so many different people here there's so many fetishes and so on you're gonna find people and you that there's gonna be a curiosity bug in your in your brain planted you know and that's gonna grow and that's what happened with me but you know like after I, after i got clean my biggest fear was like i will never be kinky anymore i can't be kinky because everything is a risk I cannot do fisting, I cannot do orgies, I cannot do sex parties, I cannot go clubbing, I cannot go to Berheim, I cannot go, you know, I, I cannot go to the sex parties in laboratory, like, you know, like all of that for me was a complete out of the question. And for after I got out of the clinic around for two years, I really didn't do anything. I was just with my fiance, you know, and which is definitely more than enough as well. Like we have a very beautiful, active sexual life. So there was nothing missing, but there was the craving of something kinkier, you know? Mm. Uh, even though we both are kinky, you know, like uh, there is a certain relationship that we have in bed as a romantic couple that, you know, like you don't... It's a different connection. It's a different connection, yeah. you know? And, and, and the first time that I planned to get fisted. I had already been playing with toys, for example. I got, I had a very nice collection of toys and I've I been playing with toys all by myself. I started having dates little by little, but only sex dates, no, nothing kinky, nothing different. And then I had the opportunity to have a fist date. And you know, after I realized, after I was playing with certain big toys again, because you know, like you haven't played in such a long time, I was not even sure if I could do that. I get the opportunity to play with someone and for me it was very important to play with someone that was not from Berlin mm -hmm. because in my mind if it goes wrong I can just leave and I will never see that person again you know that's all mm -hmm. it's just it's, it was an experiment it was certainly an experiment and I talked with my therapist about this. I said, like, because I want to do it. I want, I want to see if, if it's possible. I want to try to do it and she as a, again she was always from the point of view of you gotta measure what you feel comfortable and what you don't and so on. I talked with the guy, we met him Gay Romeo. We've been talking for weeks before we met. I told him my story, I told him that I'm sober, I told him like this was the first time that I was actually going to participate 
in fisting since I am sober. He also, he doesn't take any drugs and we talk about alcohol. I told him, I don't want, uh, could you not? And he was like, okay, then I will not. And he was completely understandable of the situation. Mm. And, you know, it was, it was, it was a very hot date. And after that, I remember I, 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 I fisted him, he fisted me and I was just so fucking happy. I was like, oh my God. I was very, very happy. I, I got out of the date. I, I went back to my place. I called my fiance and I told him and he was obviously so happy for me as well. And from that moment until the moment that my fiance fisted me for the first time since I'm sober was maybe like year, year and a half. I had that date. And then the next date I had it like six months later because again, I just, I didn't want it to go head first. You know, I wanted Fist first. Fist first. <laughs> I know. I missed that opportunity. <laughs> Rewind. Uh, Let's say again. <laughs> you know that. And 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 after I had the first date, you know, I wanted to, to take some time, you know, and I didn't want to just to go, you know, like be a hole in Berlin because, well, there's nothing wrong with that. Now, um, so it it was it was like a like a period of time, and that's why that that's one of my advices to people is like, you gotta take your time with what you do. You know, go slowly. Don't let anyone force you. Don't let anyone tell you what you can or cannot do. Make sure that you control your time, your body, what you do, you know, to be relaxed, to be happy in the moment, to, to, to be connected with what you want. And more importantly, do it in your own rhythm. That, that's that's what, what worked for me. And um, the first time my fiance fisted me, we were in his place. The moment he's completely inside of me, a big boy as well very nice <laughs> <sighs> need to call him after this <laughs> the, the first time you he, he fisted me it was so different from all the guys that i've had already we he had fisted me in the past while i was consuming as well but this time sober the, when he was inside of me uh i was very surprised i was very shocked and i was so happy i just picture this. I'm laying on my back, legs in the air. His hand is, you know, wrist inside my butt already. And then I'm there and I'm just, I just start crying. I just start crying. And he was like, are you okay, baby? And I'm like, I'm, I'm just so fucking happy. It, because I was like, it's you. It's you inside of me. And I am sober. And, you know, like, and, and it was such a magical moment for us you know it was such a beautiful moment because i said like and i've, I've told him that millions of times i can go and, and have sex with different people in berlin but you know when you have that person in your life and, and you're able to connect to that person the sex doesn't compare to absolutely anyone it's just the two of you you know or the three of you when they're troubles or four uh, or five, four as well whatever whatever moves your boat. <laughs> um but you know like for for me like since since that moment and, and over the last uh, the last year and this year as well, I've had more fisting dates than my entire past together. More intense, more beautiful, more nasty, more piggy, more I don't know <laughs> opening. <laughs> I got. My, 
mind blowing. Mind blowing as well. Yeah. Um, I think it's it, when it comes to fisting, and and I hear this a lot um, when people become sober. It's like I'm never going to be able to fist again. That was. Me. I was just like, no, you can get fisted again, and it's mm-hmm. a it's a, pa- a patience. Yes, yes, you know, yes. Just yes, have to yes, be yes. patient, and you have yeah. to do it with the right people. Yeah. And right now, you know, like I, I, I do consume poppers from time to time, but I still, like I, I condition myself to do that right after or, or after already being fisted. That meaning, like I like to get fisted completely sober, with, uh, without absolutely taking anything. Mm. And as the session progresses and gets more intense, there I might use some poppers and stuff like that. But it's not the main goal, mm. you know. And the same thing happened, like, I feel very confident going to laboratory and going to our sex clubs in Berlin now because I'm aware of what I am and what I can do. And I'm happy of who I become in, this, in these last years. And, and, you know, like, when I started my cleaning process, I realized that my sex life was going to change. I would have never thought it would have gotten this good. Like... Never would have ever, I thought it was going to change for the bad. Oh my God, have I changed my sexual life in the last years. I'm so happy. Fantastic. I'm That's... so fucking happy. And it is something that I'm very proud of, you know, like um, I've got, I've, I got double fisted for the first time, like a couple of weeks ago. When that happened, I was telling everyone, all my <laughs> friends, you know, like this happened this weekend and i was over fucking happy fucking happy and fucking proud of myself you know and and it was with a very good friend of mine which made it even better Fantastic. and it's something that you know like i never i never i i don't recognize my sex life now i'm i'm just i'm so in awe of it and and i i just love it and love it and i love the peak that i've become it is a journey that I am still on, you know. I'm, mm. I'm not getting off this wagon. I'm, I'm, I'm going to keep going, you know, because that's what I want. I want to see where my life is going to take me in the future, you know, professionally and, and, and romantically and kinky and so on. I'm just, I'm, j- I'm just very, very happy of how everything has turned out Fantastic. for the better. And, you know, that's oh, fucking amazing. It's, I'm, I'm so, so pleased for you and, and, and just the joy you project and like yeah. the proudness of where you've you. gotten to so I'm, I'm so happy to have had you on and, and have you. this talk with you and if anyone has listened or watched and something uh, Mao has said that's uh, touched you uh, where can they get a hold of you my profile on I forget that Twitter is not Twitter anymore thank you Elon <laughs> X Twitter whatever. I'm gonna keep calling Twitter like yeah. no matter how much he for it um it's a uh, non-name fucker berlin so you know like mm. uh, that is the same one on instagram as well yeah same on gay romeo try to keep the constant there but yeah and i'm always open to talk with people about this you know like i have had this this journey has taken me to speak with different people that are on the same path or similar path as i am or they want to start on that path you know like and 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 we talk about it and I, I i'm not at the beginning i was very afraid of talking with uh, people about it because you know i didn't knew how people were going to react but something that i learned is that my life story my situation it is mine and and I try to share my story as much as I can with people that are interested in it because I don't like I don't want to shove 
My story, I don't want to shove on anyone's throat. Mm -hmm. My cog is. <laughs> I'm a very horny person as well. Super horny. I'm always uh, happy to, to, to meet sober players because it is also not easy to find sober players. No. In a city like Berlin, especially. Everyone for its own, of course. But, you know, um, it is very hard. But I have found very nice partners here. Very beautiful partners. Very knowledgeable partners as well. And, you know, it's something that uh, I, I've, I've enjoyed a lot. And, and it's, as, as I always say, if you don't have fun doing something, you shouldn't probably be doing that. You know, and, and I have fun doing what I do. And, and, I can you know, tell. Like, oh, I my God. Yeah. You have fun. I have, I have fun. And, and I also, like, you know, when I go when I go to sex clubs or stuff like that, I'm always one that likes to put on a show, either because I am top or being bottom or changing. Like it's just, I just fucking love to put on a show as well. Yeah, it's. Uh, I'm I'm very happy that I am able to go to these sex parties on and off. I have not yet done a house sex party. I was invited to one for Folsom, mm. but I was very fearful of it because you know, like. A friend told me, like, don't you think laboratory is like an orgy party or stuff like that? And I said, like, no, I don't see it. I mean, it is an orgy, but it is not a private orgy. It's literally a club. It's a sex club, you know. So I don't see that as group sex, even though, like, you can get involved with group sex. But, you know, like, it's, I, I, don't, I don't see that. And when people go there, they do whatever they want. But mm. if I'm in a house, I want to know that I'm in that house safe, you know. In laboratory, I can leave any time that I want to go. I can exit any situation that I'm not comfortable with. That's it. When you're in a house, it's a little bit different. I think it's it's so important to know your boundaries. Yes, Especially exactly. in recovery and exactly. know what's healthy for you exactly. and, and so on. I'm, I'm, I'm still, you know, like one of one of the things that I, I still want to do and I hopefully would happen soon, right? <laughs> is to have like, like to organize a sex party or a fisting party with people that are also sober because I am dead certain I am not the only one that is in the same area as I am, you know, trying to find sober players and so on. And I've had people that because of my Twitter or my Instagram as well, or my dear Romeo, they, they are visiting Berlin and say like, hey, I'm sober too. I would like to play with you. Can we meet? Let's talk. Let's meet, you know, and, and to make new, 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 new connections. And Absolutely. that's always great. Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you very much. And this was this week's episode with uh, Mao, and it's been an absolute joy to uh, talk to him, talk about his uh, recovery and his journey as a pig in Berlin. So I'll see you next time. Bye. Ciao.